0: And welcome to Way Back When With your hosts, Lisa and Nancy
1: Hey everybody, welcome to Big Blend Radio's Way Back When History Show. Uh, You know we love to talk about women's empowerment and today we're going to be talking about that with author Galia Gishon. Uh, She's going to talk about her brand new historical fiction novel. It's called The Accidental Suffragist and uh, you know it really does connect from then until now. And um, her work that she does as well also is about empowering women um, her financially, that we understand our finances so that we can be empowered to live the best life we can. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you to go to her website. It's GaliaGishonAuthor.com. Did I pronounce that correctly? And welcome, yep. Galia. <laughs>
2: Hi, thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa and Nancy, for having me here today. Yeah, so-
1: this, this is exciting because, you know, we're talking about historical fiction and, you know, women... I don't know if it's just we keep interviewing uh, women about women in history, but I think we really have to look at women of the past and what they have done and the sacrifices they have made for us women today. Because it's like if we even close our eyes for a second, we lose a little bit of power every single time. Yeah. And and I feel that even now, you know, we've come a long way, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that. Too like in a good way especially as you know a mother with two teenage daughters like i want to keep inspiring our youth and inspiring mm-hmm. women around us and when you see how difficult it was for these women mm-hmm. you know some of the characters in my book or other women i actually look at that as inspirational because like very often we're like oh i don't have time for this or i don't have the will or the inclination you're like well look at what these women did Exactly. Even more challenges and more obstacles. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, probably insurmountable that, you know, financial or political or whatnot. And they did it and they didn't Mm. think about it. They just did it. So that's my hope Mm. to be more inspirational and give us the motivation and the inspiration to continue.
1: I think we need Mm. it because it's actually, you know, and I think your book gets into this with your character, Helen, um, when you decide to stand up for something. Which when it's for women, we're standing up for ourselves and our mothers, our daughters, you know, like you're saying, your sisters, cousins, right. um, friends, you are going to get negative feedback. You're going to get people mm-hmm. who come and don't understand. I mean, right now, if you look at, you know, just over the last four or five years in, in our country, we've, you know, feeling that whiplash of, you know, so, on social media, people are just having these huge arguments yeah. and it gets political, but mm-hmm. I just Stop with the political. Let's just look at can we look at what is right for women. You know, right. women's bodies yes. and so no matter what whenever you make a stand you're going to get it. <laughs> Someone's coming after you. Somebody's going to say something that you don't like.
2: Well, and and That's, you know, one thing that I thought that is very typical of women or people in general that my character had is very few of us are so passionate. Like most of us like are interested Mm. But we also have our lives. We have our work, our families. Mm-hmm. But very few of us are like, no, 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 I'm so... And this character, like, it was important to her, but it wasn't her whole life initially. Like, she, you know, got into it accidentally or... But, you know, think about things that are important to us. Like, I know a lot, like, the environment is important to me, but I'm, am I an environmental activist? No. Do I eat vegan? No. Like, but it's important to me. Like, there's a lot of things mm. that we... Causes that we believe in, but are we, like, sacrificing our lives for? No. So... But it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be a priority.
1: Mm, right. Yeah. so let's let's go to the beginning of, of you writing this because I know you've written you know you've got your financial books um, and, and you're kicking butt on TV and all kinds of things. Um, so we'll <laughs> touch on that a little bit later too. but going into writing you know fiction, Nancy's starting to read it and she's like, yes. holy yes. crap, man, <laughs> what man a no. what?
3: Your, your main character. It reminds me of my grandmother. And my grandmother was a little four-foot-nine lady from, from England. But what a spitfire. She's very quiet, but when something happened, she was on it, and she'd always put her hands on her hips and like, it's not going to turn out the way you want. You know? <laughs> she had that little spitfire strength, and your character reminds me, like, I think she's going there like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, she... What I wanted, and I I wanted to show how strong she got during the book, Mm -hmm. and so much of her strength came from grief initially, Mm -hmm. but then she realized how important this was. And she did, and especially at the end, which I'm not gonna give it away, but-
3: Yeah, because I'm not done yet. okay,
2: (laughs) the end is really, and by the way, the end is an absolute surprise. I mean, you know what happens. Mm -hmm. The amendment gets passed, obviously, but just in terms of some of the things that happen at the end, which are true, um, she finds strength that she didn't know she had. She really did, and she was forced to find it. She was forced to confront it. But she was, she was quiet strength. Like she wasn't the loudest one. She wasn't, you know, the 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 mouthpiece. And I purposely did that because very few of us are the loud ones. Right. Most of us are really just the the quieter ones or the ones who are wait and see. And but she becomes so strong to, to see that strength in her. I actually like after a while, I just assumed she was alive and she was a real character.
3: <laughs> well, in, in a way, she is, you know, because she
1: embodies so many different women.
2: Yeah, she did. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, let's talk about where, you know, where she was at this time frame because there was a fire. Was this a real fire that happened? Because I know there were a lot of things at that time frame.
2: Yeah. So it's interesting because literally I was just interviewed, like I said, by my library this morning. So they actually brought up the fire. And so the triangle shirtwaist. Um, fire was so first of all I love historical fiction I read it so mm. much it as a kid myself and so yeah. for whatever reason I, I knew a lot about the triangle shirtwaist fire I read a lot about mm. the teen I don't know why and I think it's on one hand people a lot of people know about it but then I've had that question too Lisa they're like is that did that really happen um, I lived in New York City for 20 years it's kind of a deep rooted in New York City history because of all oh. the sweatshops that were downtown mm. the fact that you know 120 plus girls died and one fire because the doors were locked I mean it's just yeah. absolutely terrible what happened um separately yes. I, I wrote a lot of this book in, in writing classes which is like I cannot express enough what a what a huge how people should t- attend writing classes it hmm. makes a huge difference on many counts. I'll get into that hmm. um, but when I was writing the book and I wrote it I've written over a few years in the iterations like I felt like it's a little bit the formula but you need a little bit of like a hook like mm-hmm. you need something like in the beginning to really get you hooked on mm-hmm. and i thought well how would helen have gotten involved as a suffragist they're mostly wealthy women like it wouldn't have been a natural like oh let me just you know become a suffragist like that wasn't common yeah so i was looking for like i hate to say it, like a tragedy or something terrible that happened and that did happen. So when I was mm. doing my research, I was like, "Oh yeah, the triangle shirtwaist." And truthfully, suffragettes were there because they went to rescue the women to some extent. Mm. Wow.
1: And so, what was it that made her stand up and say, "Okay, now I'm going to do something"? What was that? A, well, that spark? I shouldn't say that when we're talking about fires.
2: Yeah, I think that the so you know a little bit of the historical part is that the suffragists went to the fire and they said, "Okay." it's a little bit of a domino effect if we can vote you know so much of this happened because the politicians are not passing the laws mm-hmm. that protect the labor you know mm-hmm. just which we have now the child labor laws like those laws mm-hmm. weren't an and they're like but we can't even vote for the politicians to pass those laws so that was really right. one of the causes of the suffragist movement i mean it's obviously started in with susan b anthony in the 1850s but even back then in the 1910, 1911, 1912, when this happened, they're like, we can't even vote for the politicians. We can't even support the politicians because we don't have the right to vote. Yet our children are working in the factories. Yeah, Talk about having absolutely no control and -hmm. feeling so, so out of control and feeling so helpless. Mm -hmm. And so they were, the two movements were intertwined. The suffragists wanting to help the labor union and the child labor laws. Um, and most of the women who were working were either domestic help or were working in factories. So it kind of made sense that Helen was working in a factory and they needed the money. Mm. So that's when I was like, okay, well, if the suffer just hire her, she'll have a little more money. And she really did it initially just as a job, because let's face it, most of us do things initially for the money. Mm. I mean, it's, it's a luxury to do that in a passion or whatnot, Mm. but most of us work because we have to, and we're working to support ourselves and our families. right
1: and then when you do start stepping out of in and standing up for something it starts to kind of take away from you earning the money and you put yourself in a position and do i mean it's like these tweets are not mine (laughs) they are (laughs) mine but they they are are not the company i'm working for Mm -hmm. you know opinions are my own and so you you Mm -hmm. you really can you know hurt yourself financially by standing Mm -hmm. up Oh, okay. we know somebody
3: who lost her job for some of the tweets she put online, and she got fired. And we're saying, if you keep talking that way, it won't be surprising if you get fired. And she did, right? Uh, you know, and she's talking bad about her boss online. I mean, that's a little bit out of line. Yeah, not, not the smartest thing to do. And I think, well,
1: see...
2: like, mm. and I, I Hi, doggy, you she, got a dog? Dog is barking. I see a
3: doggy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah so it's it's interesting you can't get fired but yeah I mean you've got to you
2: when you stand up you stand up well and and that was also what I showed in the book because she had to defend herself to her neighbors Mm
3: -hmm. she definitely
2: had to defend herself to her husband to some extent to her children so she was constantly fighting
3: Mm.
2: constantly standing up for herself because she's the more and more she got into the the suffragist movement the more she didn't fit into her life Mm -hmm. she often wasn't a factory worker you know she it it was like they they viewed it as a luxury also that she was able to vote for or work with the suffragists and to vote for you know work for the right to vote like how fortunate you are and she realized after a while she didn't have a choice
1: Mm. this is all that's it yeah if you don't you're really not going to make the money you you need or want but but she also wasn't one of the um well more
2: well off
3: no no she did not have
2: money and at one point she um you know is is afraid that she's she is afraid that she's pregnant and all of a sudden she's like I can't be pregnant like oh my gosh what is that going to do to me Mm. I won't be able to work or I won't be able to work the way I want to work So that was all of a sudden just like another reality of life, like being, you know, those women at the time didn't have birth control as much. right? Yeah. You
3: know,
1: you know. Oh, yeah. Well,
2: now we're, <laughs> we're still fighting all of that. <laughs> yes. That's you a know, separate discussion though, right?
1: <laughs> it's always, yes, yeah, it's, 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 we're always still fighting for the right and control of our bodies, <laughs> which is still, you know, there. So it's, it's interesting. And now how, how did her husband feel? I haven't got to that part, but how does her husband feel in regards to her being a suffragist? Was
2: he supportive of women being able to vote? It's funny because I get a lot of questions about him. Um, Hmm. You know, I, I had to make a lot of choices in how I wrote him. So I could have written him as like just a total misogynist, macho, you know, macho is probably the wrong word. They didn't have macho back then, but just as like a very like <laughs> stereotypical caricature of a man, like no Helen, you can't do that. You can't, you can't. But I didn't want to, because I think that most men weren't like that. They were maybe more traditional or sign of their times, but I don't think he was a jerk. But then I don't, I didn't want him to be all wishy-washy like no Helen, of course you can do all that because that wasn't realistic either. Yeah, like, he had to get his permission. That was just a fact back then. Women had to get their husband's permission. It's amazing, I huh? I know, it's crazy. Uh-uh. Um, <laughs> he, yeah. did, she, he didn't have to sign anything saying she could be a suffragist. <laughs> I mean, he didn't have to sign it because they didn't do that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but... but, when, but would, when she wanted to go said, to Washington, she had to get his permission to go to Washington. Um, wow. You know, it was, it was uh, a lot of permission. for, And when she even wanted to take the job. She had to get his permission to take the job, Mm. do that. She couldn't do it until he gave her his permission.
3: Yeah. When we lived in Kenya, I went in to open a bank account and the banker said, well, where is your husband? I'm like, I'm not married. I want to open a bank account. He goes, well, you can't. I'm like, what? Never occurred to me to even ask that question before moving there. I've been to Kenya three times leading towards, but I had no idea that 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 you could not, as a female back then, open a bank account. So I had to go out on the street and find a man. And fortunately I found a lawyer and he was walking <laughs> down the street and, and he was white because you wouldn't want to, as a white woman, bring in some black guy that you don't know and say this is my husband.
1: That will opens up a whole other drama over there oh, from I both know. sides, the white
3: and from, the black yeah. side. Yeah. So I saw this white guy and I, I explained what was wrong and he was very nice and I ended up working for him, but he, he came in and stood behind me at the bank and, and said he gave his permission for me to open my own bank account. It was like the weirdest thing, but so I can kind of, I get the feeling of, of that era from having lived in Kenya as a single female.
2: That's, that's pretty crazy. I mean, that
1: it's, it's Well, you got to think in, in Westernization, Kenya is a little slower on the Westernization part. I mean, it was still colonial mm-hmm. times. And so. It, yeah, it's just switched over. Yeah, it had just switched, you know, and then like in yeah. South Africa, when we lived there, Nancy, I think with, when we first moved there, Nancy went into a restaurant. It was, you know, I think we just got there. And she got asked to leave because it was for men only. And she, over then, and back in those days, there were, you know, whites here, blacks there. So the apartheid was in full sign of time, but women were also part of that. It wasn't just whether you were a white or a black woman, all women, this is for men only. They had their own places. And so that was an awakening, which has now changed. You know, yes. things do get better. <laughs> they do. Yes. It and it, it, it only gets, gets better time. for standing up for those issues
2: and standing up for what's right. You know, there, um, I think even in this country, a woman couldn't get a credit card in her own name until the 70s.
1: Wow. 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 So this really does tie back to what you do on the financial yes. level. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, at the beginning, I was talking about this. You really work with women. Um, through your books, uh, you know, all the speaking engagements and workshops that you do, that if you have financial power.
2: Right. And I think it's financial independence. That's the end. Yeah. Independence is a good better word. That you're not married or you're not in a partnership. Like I'm not espousing that women need to be single and it's, it's, it's creating choices. Mm. Yeah. Let me choose what I want to do and have the independence to do it. Right whether it's I'm in a partnership, I'm married, I'm single, I want to work, I don't want to work, how do I want to work? And we, how do we, to not have those choices is, is like a prison. That's kind of interesting
1: because, you know, even today you'll see, you know, a woman will get married and the husband runs the checkbook and they'll be working. And Nancy, that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's that, um, the donor took all her money (laughs) the donor (laughs) you know he he, but women lose their I think you lose your identity when you if you're working and you know creating this income and then you're kind of left out of that decision making someone else is holding the checkbook and here's your cash Mm -hmm. I mean it wasn't that long ago that women you know here's here's your shopping money dear and you're only allowed to buy this right
2: right and believe it or not I had a person in my town who was told she couldn't shop at certain supermarkets because they were too expensive by her husband
1: Mm,
3: this is
2: 2010 so we're still there yeah Mm -hmm. so do
1: you think writing historical fiction it like fiction because it's based on truth right gets people to get the information in this really it's such historical novels are just the best
2: man they really are Mm -hmm. So I I get asked, why did I write historical fiction? And selfishly, it's what I like to read. Yeah, just what I gravitate towards. Like I'm, you know, at the end of the day, I wanted people to be entertained by this book. I want them to learn, obviously, but I'm not a teacher. I want people to be entertained. I want people to read the book and say, oh gosh, you have to read this book. I couldn't put it down. It's, I love it. Like, that's what I want. I want them to tell their mothers, their sisters, their friends, their, their coworkers. Like, this is a great book. With that being said, like to me, especially with the women's right to vote, like this is a story that we have. To, I I learned when I was researching this book, and here I'm like consider myself fairly educated, fairly knowledgeable, and there was so much that I didn't know about. Did you right. geek out,
1: like totally geek out on other women, and because there are so many stories mm-hmm. like this that you know true stories throughout history, and a lot of these women get washed up, like their stories get hidden at the bottom of the museum drawer, you know?
2: Yes. You know, so interesting is that my writing teacher's great advice, um, she said to me, because when I was doing my research, she said, don't read, but look at pictures. Because then you're if you read someone else's account, whether it's a story or an article, you're going to write it in their voice without thinking about it subconsciously. But if you just look at a picture, so especially when I was looking at how people dressed or the way they were living or the parades or things like that. So I started looking at so many websites and pictures. And I mean, I, I really like I it was like a black hole. Like I found myself, OK, golly, you have to stop researching and start writing because what mm-hmm. I would I would get a picture and I would want to know about their story. And, you know, a lot of them were immigrants. so It's like the Italian immigrants versus the Indi- oh. Um Versus the um, Irish immigrants versus the Jewish immigrants. Like, you know, they all have very different reasons as to why they immigrated and they lived in the Lower East Side. So I I, I did geek out. That. I, I would. I, that's,
1: <laughs> yeah. Nancy started writing an historical novel in Kenya, uh, mm-hmm. about Kenya. And, and when it was in South Africa, I was coming home from school and she had a friend give her a huge mm-hmm. newspaper roll of paper, newspaper. Mm-hmm. And she covered the walls and we did the timeline <laughs> of the world. And so it'd be like... In China, they had this. Over here, they had that because you had to get... We didn't have Google. Right, right. And it was yeah. a
2: challenge not to write a history book. Because yeah. I, I wanted... That's That's the fictional part. Like, I it was it would there was a lot that I didn't write because there were so many different factions there were so many different suffragist movements there was like the different states being passed and I didn't include a lot of that because it's like reading a really true his, um, history book which nobody mm-hmm. wants to read a history book want- it's hard to sell history it's to hard. people who don't aren't into
1: history you know when we were in South Africa as a kid and I was, loved historical novels that was my thing and that's 13 years old reading war and peace and you know crazy stuff but it was when we went on tour and I went to the historic sites that I understood what the history I was being taught in school. And when we went, I went back to school after being a Rhodes Scholar, <laughs> um, I, my history grades jumped. It was yeah. basically what I majored in out of high school was history because yeah. of going to places. And so that's kind of where I think it's so important, historical novels, especially, mm-hmm. you know, for young girls to get involved. I would think this would be a great mm-hmm. novel for a young girl to read. <laughs> Yes, of all ages I, really. I'm
2: definitely like
0: membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is gonna do it for you. One night, one goal. Stop suicide. Register today for The Overnight and join thousands in Washington, D.C. on June 3rd as we walk 16 miles from dusk till dawn to stop suicide. Start your journey today at theovernight.org.
2: That's absolutely like the young adult. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could have done more with subject matters that made it not young adults and I didn't want it to be because I really wanted this to be something that middle schoolers and high schoolers would read as well.
1: Oh good.
3: I mean this is the best way to learn history because history can become, depending on who's teaching it and how they teach, can be very dry. You know, sometimes I remember in school getting here's a list of all these dates and one line definition of something that happened for each year and and then you're going to have a test in two weeks. And it didn't mean anything to me. Right. It's the people until I started reading the stories. Because mm-hmm. you need the person behind the story. Right. Mm-hmm. The if gossip. It's something. Yeah. It's, it's gossip. You know, be stale. It's backyard oh. gossip.
2: And I, I started reading all these mm-hmm. historical fiction novels the last ten years, like Paul and, and, they're and cool. Davis and Christina. Mm-hmm. Um, Baker Klein and um, mm-hmm. you know obviously Kristen Hanna and Meg Wolitzer and it's mm-hmm. like I just couldn't put him down I was like God, yeah. these are it's good stories like I'm mm-hmm. really loving them
3: yeah um,
2: and then you're like oh yeah and I'm learning about what happened in Australia I'm learning about what happened in the library in the yeah. 1910s or mm-hmm, that's yeah. cool that's yeah, do is. you
1: want this to be a movie that'd
2: be cool yeah it's so funny you say that because so when my this is a very like technical question but when my lawyer was looking at the contract, she said, Oh, well, let's talk about the movie and TV rights. And I was like, really? And she's like, Oh yeah, that's how movies get made. They get bought by books. So yes, of course, I would love this to be a movie. Do I think That'd it be would cool. be? I don't know. But-
1: It'd be cool. I love, I love the front cover.
2: Yeah. So- yeah. She did a really good job with it. That's my editor um, at the publishing. Um, I couldn't like it when we were, when I got the offer from the publishing and she said, what, how do you want the cover to look? And I couldn't foresee. I actually initially called mm. it um, an idea of like the hats because the size of the hats at the time was mm. a little run your bank account. So it's like the big hats were the wealthy women, the small hats were really just more for warmth, the poor women. Mm. Um, so I was going to yeah. call it like the hat or the elevated station or um, and then the accidental suffragist, that name came about, and oh, then she perfect this. Yeah. And I was like, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> so so who would you pick to play
3: Helen in a movie?
2: Oh gosh, who would I pick? Um, mm. you know, maybe someone like a oh gosh, Emma Stone. Mm. Ooh. Um, mm. and who's the one who just played it? She's an Irish name. She was in Little Women. Oh. Actually, I would play her to play Alice Paul because I think she has like mm-hmm. a very like leader, Spitfire, um, and a Julianne Moore. I love her as an actress. So maybe oh my gosh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Julianne Moore is like one of the top. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, yes, yeah. we're gonna make it into a movie. I should have my wish list, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: <laughs> hey, you know and I think you know we're at that point now with so many places like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, and there's. So much potential to have books turned into movies now. And -hmm. at least you should go on Drunk History on the TV show and tell the story. That'd be fun. I don't know. Oh, no. Drunk History. Oh, it's uh, it's on the comedy channel. Derek Waters. So they get celebrities drunk and they have to tell a historical story. And then they do a play (laughs) using their voice. So you, you see them drinking and hiccuping and then it goes into the play. It goes back and forth. And so if one of the characters oh, hiccups, it, it, the hiccups in there, it's really, really a funny way to learn history. And it's all true stories. Way. But, you know, but I was just thinking the fire could be part of that. Like they had the thing about the molasses. Remember the big molasses spill that happened? Uh, yes, I think it was yes. in Massachusetts. The, yeah, yes, the, yeah. the flood of molasses. So yes. it's oh, gosh. like I you find know. these stories. You're like, who knew that? You know, yeah, so yeah. It, why would you know that? <laughs> yeah. So like when you're going with the fire, it's like, okay, did this one happen? And that's interesting too, you know, the the state of things that kind of reminds me of the history of England, with all the fires mm-hmm. that they had and the little kids mm-hmm. working in the mines and, you know, oh, wow. and having to stand up. And I think that also goes from not only the rights to vote, but it also goes into how are the
2: conditions of workers.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and and that goes to now
2: too, you know, which is how. Um- even like there's one scene where Albert and I don't know if you had gotten there yet. Um, mm. He tries to enlist in the army and he does not pass the physical because he worked in the factories for too long. Oh, because it's breathing. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm. yeah. yeah. Really, like working in those factories was like akin to working in mines. I mean, it was yeah. just.
3: And there was no protection for anybody back then. You know, they so many people had to die, and and so many doctors had to come forward. Right. and point the finger before anybody could change anything mm. so, and then the women were left out of the voting so then it was just up to older men
1: <laughs> who
3: probably didn't even know if the
2: children had no, yeah. well, think,
1: right? we're not even part of the you know the constitution they weren't part of the conversation yeah, right? yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. and you know it's interesting a lot of the reasons that men didn't want women to vote is because of prohibition. They were afraid that they were going to vote against alcohol. See, it's all carry Nation. <laughs> women even cared about that. It's like the lobbyist firms of today. Yeah. It's, you know, it's all business. They're like, you know, a lot of these laws are passed because they don't want business things to happen. So. But well, they had saloon girls.
1: Well, the whole thing that went against <laughs> marijuana being legalized was all from the Hearst dude because he wanted to do some other kind of um, crop and hemp was, it was a rivalry. So he started the whole reefer madness thing. Mm. Oh, wow yeah the business Alrighty, thing,
2: which has nothing to do with really the you know the the root of why they're doing this
1: Mm, that's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now you've done all this research, right? And you geeked out like, I, I'm i like that if I start and I'm like, Oh, I can get this article out. I've, I've got it. And then I get into it. And it's like, Oh, here comes a big project. <laughs> you know, I remember one butterfly article, Nancy turned into mm-hmm. like every butterfly species of the Southwest, and every plant that they eat, like that kind of geeking out thing. Do you see yourself writing more about women in history and, and the movement in And doing it as a novel
2: absolutely so I'm already writing two novels um I I really credit my writing class I go to writing class every Monday one to four I mean it's got to really be like a hurricane for me not to go wow Um, like I I really um I love it I've met a whole group of people I never would have met just so Mm -hmm. I it's it means a lot to me in terms of my personal development so I'm I'm writing two novels one is historical fiction and it's the women's viewpoint and it's Right now i'm playing around with the 70s um Mm. just ooh, uh, stepford wives yeah (laughs) and and there was um yeah so i you know and i think with women and working because that was Mm -hmm. a lot you know i actually saw i was born in the 70s but i was born in um, 1970 but my you know i actually saw my mother start to work then and the role of women working, which to me, again, deals with financial empowerment and independence. Mm, yeah. So really mm. the role of women working. Um, and I think that stands so much of what we do in our society. And again, it's the difference of women having to work versus choosing to work and making those choices. So, mm.
3: so
2: that's, that's that, I'm, I'm playing around with that. I've written about 10 chapters. And then the other is just an absolute contemporary novel. It's another feminist novel though. Um, So it's really a a twenty-something-year-old who goes to work in a financial firm and the choices she has to make around that. So, Mm -hmm. oh
1: wow,
3: there's a lot of
2: like moral and ethical
3: stuff. uh, As I say, I remember when my mom demanded that she go get a job, and my dad was absolutely not. And it was so weird to to realize that my mom, I mean, legally she could have gotten deadwood done what she wanted to. She could have gone and got a job regardless of what my father said. But then when he said no, that was it. Mm -hmm. That's off the table. Then a few months later, he became ill. And suddenly he changed his mind. Oh, you can go to work now. (laughs) So there's there's that, but that just, you know, no, absolutely not. End of discussion. It's like,
2: wow. Mm -hmm. And the jobs that were available to them. Secretary factory at work. Now she went to work in a factory. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And that even today, like women are not at the C level. They're not at the CEO. They're not on management mm-hmm. committees. They're not advisory boards. They're not in the boards.
1: It's That's yeah, true. very small percentage and not getting the paycheck that they deserve. Yeah. The salary. They're not getting... You know, there, there's the there's definitely exceptions to what I'm saying, so I shouldn't generalize, but but I am. <laughs> but, but it's a real truth. And but yeah. we are also seeing things drastically changed. I mean, look at in women in the film industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're we've got more women producing and directing and mm-hmm. owning full companies than we've ever had. Yeah. You know, so I think there's some positive changes, but it should be in all industries. And I also see a lot of women becoming entrepreneurs because it's the only way they can go forward
2: well it's it's truthfully why i i worked in the banking area for about 10 years but i left it when i had children because i wanted to work but i knew that i wouldn't be able to be somewhat of a present mother and work in mm. mm. so i've always worked for myself since i've had children because i thought well this is the only way that i can still like maybe take my kids to school or if i want to take an afternoon mm. off, or make dinner and you know, be around for my children somewhat and still work. How can I do that really working in mm. a corporate setting? I just didn't see it. Mm. Mm. And now you're a writer. You've got My Money yeah. Matters.
1: I like that title, by the way. That's, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's, I, that. a, <laughs> I like that. And now you're doing fiction. So that's got to be interesting going from one to the other.
2: Yeah, was, Did, doing really nonfiction
1: help, help in regards to, I think with nonfiction, you, you, you have to kind of get to the point. You know, and so when you're writing fiction, you need to kind of use those.
0: If you're looking to get a new car, you could really cut expenses by bundling your car and renter's insurance with Progressive. Sure, you love your old car, but you know it's not normal to give instructions on how to open the window. It should be self-explanatory, but it's not. And notice how when you're in other people's cars, you can feel cushion in the seats. That's pretty nice, right? No, it's just normal. So bundle your renters and car insurance with Progressive and put the savings toward a new car. It's time. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.
2: Rules. <laughs> it's very different. I mean, it's so different. Like, I wrote nonfiction for 10 years. I wrote research when I worked on Wall Street. I wrote My Money Matters. I wrote articles for my, my company, Down to Finance, for, gosh, you know, 15 years. And then writing fiction, it's like, you know everything you learned about nonfiction. Erase it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> write ah. um, first of all, you can't even submit your book to an agent until the the fiction book is written in its entirety. Whereas yeah. nonfiction, I was able to just give a proposal. You know, just give a few sample chapters. So that process is different. And um, you know, it's not that with nonfiction you don't have a POV, but I feel like the POV and the the point of view and the background of this character. And that's probably the area that I could do more with is really like you just, you really wanna focus on building this character and making them multifaceted, multidimensional. And mm. what were they thinking? What were they feeling? Why did they do this? How were they? And that's something that I had to train myself. I didn't know how to mm. do that. I didn't study English, I studied finance. So mm. that was really hard for me to learn how to write from a POV and just make it a multidimensional character because I think nonfiction <laughs> yeah. fiction is more facts oriented. and. You know, and here's what to do. Here's what not to do. And here's some, like, evidence behind it. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Whereas with fiction and and character development, it's like you have to jump into somebody else's body. It's almost like you have to be the actor.
3: Right? And a
1: therapist. Make up a whole person and
3: make them... Uh, stick to their character. They can't be doing this and that.
2: Well, well yes. It, uh, too, right. And show, don't tell. That was like the one thing that yeah. you have to Show, don't tell. Show, don't tell. So you have to come up with scenes and you mm-hmm. have to come up with dialogue. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, after a while, I got good at it. But in the beginning, I was like, I don't know how to write dialogue without saying... Well, Lisa, that is a very nice blouse that you're wearing. Like versus, Why, like thank oh, I would that blouse. Like, you can know, I have a British
1: accent, then
2: that's not <laughs> yeah. conversational. Be like, oh, I like your blouse. Yeah, yeah. There's that
1: <laughs> writing that. Yeah, it's really difficult. It's like food writing is one of the hardest things to do because you can't say yummy and delicious twenty thousand times. Yeah, I mean, right. You can. It's fun to say, but you can't. You know, it's like you have to come up with different ways the, and metaphors. The umami, but the umami. The umami. Who's got the umami? I've got the mommy. You got the mommy. But but um when it comes to fiction writing, I think it's it's exciting because you do connect with characters. A lot of authors we talk to, you know, say that the character is telling them what to do. It's like you think you're gonna do this with the Mm -hmm. story. You have this outline of what you're doing with the book, and then the character just like Wake up. It's time to go right. I've got this other thing you're going to do instead. Do you get any of
2: that happening to you? She took on her own personality, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. doubt. I actually, um, she doesn't die. But at one point I thought about, did she die? Because there was also the flu epidemic of 1918, Mm. which was huge. I mean, it's sadly similar to what we're living through right now. And so I thought, well, do I make Helen die? And I was like, I can't do that like I really like freaked out. I was like, what, if, what was I thinking? I can't make her die. And I'm like, wait, she's not really a real person. Like, but it was, I thought I had that very visceral reaction, um, about that. Um, and then I'm not kidding you. I had a friend of mine who was in my writing class and she texted me. She said, I, I was in New York city the other day and I saw Helen. No, no. She's like, I saw her walking down the street. I was like, and I took that <laughs> a bunch of that's compliments. Cool. Yeah. So she had come in like, photo. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. She, always, she saw someone who reminded her of Helen, and you know, hearing me write for a year, and I was like, "Why, thank you." I thought it was such a compliment. No, that's cool. But that, that means is that cool character because, is alive.
1: Yeah, because I, I think that's the other yeah. part of it. A really good book gets you to your co-creating. You you have those visions. You know, it's good to have a movie, and and if the movie comes out it mm-hmm. needs to be good and not ruin it you know what I mean because I always find the books better majority oh, of the time
2: 100%. 100%. you know like and
1: uh, yeah the details and, and you have it in your own head you've got you've developed your image you know it's like mm-hmm. I would love to see you know people read you get 10 people to read your book and then have a sketch artist like the crime sketch artist come in and, and
2: <laughs> sketch what everybody does you know oh, that's cool. right, <laughs> yeah. right? what Helen really looks like or yeah whatever it looks like But or... you
1: have that yeah you have that everyone will identify with a different part of her right yes. you know which is the cool part of it well i'm glad you're going to continue reading that's what yeah, nancy's like the beginning of she's like holy crap you wouldn't believe what she's how she started this you know and really like <laughs> nancy
2: get to the end because the end will uh, shock you there's something that happens in the end that is absolutely true I oh mean, i will
3: i will definitely yes,
2: yeah. Shock, you, you cannot i did not know about it i learned about see it. It,
3: that's, that's where the character shocked. takes on their life and then all of a sudden it's out of your control you're it really it taking really notes is, yeah. you're taking notes and they're saying you just you write it this way she reminds me right now uh, she really reminds me of my grandmother i love that just that little spit fire and i remember once when um i was staying because i I was sick as a kid for like a whole year. Mm. And so I stayed at my aunt's, stayed at my grandmother's, stayed at home, and they, they kept shifting me around. And my grandmother came home in a pantsuit. And my grandfather took one look. He didn't say one word. He went to his dad's separate bedrooms. He went to his bedroom and closed the door, and he didn't come out till the next day just because she wore a pantsuit. He was so you
2: know,
3: about it. It, it, it is so weird when, and in your book makes you think back to little things like that that I saw growing up the the attitude of men um, it, you know it's like he he lost he lost control there he lost a little control over her because she went there she spent the money she came home and it was a, a, a light yellow and she had a little jacket on with a little dickie under the jacket and then her her pants, and she was so proud of it. she kept twisting around, looking in the mirror, and she goes, what do you think, what do you think? You know, and, it, and it, people have been wearing pantsuits for a bit longer, but for her it was the first time, and she's so proud of it, and he was so angry.
2: Oh my gosh, wow. And the,
3: and you know what I mean? That wasn't that long
2: ago. Yeah, it wasn't. No, no yeah. it's,
1: it's wild when you think it's about funny. all the changes women have had mm-hmm. to go through. I mean, you should just write a big book on women's
2: changes. Like You know, it's funny you say it because when I started my career in Wall Street, like we weren't it was unwritten, but we and this is in the nineties, like we weren't really supposed to wear pants. We were always supposed oh, to wear Oh, that's right. The, like, banking. <gasps> the, hell, the, the banking. banking we were kind of Yeah you know, like if I wore a pantsuit. They were like, Oh, is it casual Friday? Like or if Maybe. I didn't wear heels or if I wore if I didn't wear hose, panting and
3: you like, couldn't wear um blouses without sleeves sleeveless
2: yeah. oh no you you had to wear a jacket, like you know yeah. you had to wear a suit like you yeah. Men, yeah which you know men did too but it was just more you're right you couldn't like I remember once yeah. in the summer because it was and I was in New York City so I was taking the subway which was air conditioned but the subway platform wasn't and I had a tank top like it was a nice tank top but it was a tank top that you know sleeveless mm-hmm. under my jacket and I think I took mm-hmm. it off I walked in the office with it just on I and mean, people were like what are you wearing no. <laughs> it's like oh yeah oh, my, you... it's 95 degrees out with humidity <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: yeah that's funny because you know just I have a friend who um was in the tourism industry and her boss at the time is now <laughs> retired and moved on and probably good for that she made them and this is in the south mm-hmm. she made them wear nylons yeah. and high heels and mm-hmm. forced them all to have the long fingernail things yeah. And yeah. wear like the uh-huh. blazer thing. And you're in the south and you're talking about the heat, like that humidity. Right. I was it's like, so who horrible. how can you even wear nylons? I mean oh, the, the, I don't even know, know how to wear work, anything yeah. with a heel unless it's like my hiking boots. <laughs> no, I, don't wear, I don't own
2: nylons. I don't own tights. Like I don't own. I mean, I own tights for warmth. But that's it. But yeah, the
1: nylons, I remember doing that and always getting a run in them. And then I thought, oh, that's fun. That's my new
2: style. And (laughs) you painted nail polish,
1: remember, to stop the run? I
3: know. Oh, gosh. Yeah, but we absolutely, when I first started working at the automobile club, you absolutely had to wear heels. You absolutely had to have painted manicured fingernails. You absolutely had to have your hair up. And you absolutely had to wear nylons. But you could not wear black ones.
1: Well, that's wear, enough of that, you know.
3: Yeah, none of the fishnet thingies, no no black ones. You had to wear tan nylons. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And then pantyhose came in. First, you started with those stupid little girdle thingies with those... I don't know what you call them, garter belt thingies. Oh my gosh! I know man, oh my some things. Gosh. I'm really dating myself. I know. I know. The nylons were connected to these little metal things that held them up while you walked, and it was like
1: now they're in eggs, those little egg things. Yeah, but oh in- my gosh! All right, so yeah, you've got to you've got to write a book of changes and fashions, women's fashions. Just go to a museum and look at women's clothes garter like from ba- way back then, like the whalebone. Corset and all that. Yeah, we've yep. come a long way, but uh, thank you so that's much it, yeah. for joining us. It has been <laughs> oh my
2: gosh, fun... thank you so Nancy. This has been one of the <laughs> funnest interviews <laughs> I've <done>. I think <laughs> we've, we've we've
1: talked about all kinds of things, uh, but you know, it's it's all important. And sorry, I've got a dog that's you know, yes, wanting to play apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, it's my I, honor I, to be but, here.
2: So uh, it's you. been a
1: true pleasure, uh, everyone. Galia Oh, now, uh, <laughs> and it's the accidental suffragist go to yes. galia gishan author.com that's g-i-c-h-o-n galia g-i-c-h-o-n uh, gishan author.com and of course keep up with us at bigblendradio.com uh, we air monday through friday so thank you so much for joining us it's thank been you. a blast thank you ladies all right. <laughs>
2: 8 billion miles driven by Leaf owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.